Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the value add that is continuetheride.com. This is Robert Pandia on the Center Stand podcast. This is season two wrap-up show number two. So much content. It's blowing our minds. And uh, we just had to talk to some more people. So we've got four guests on this second wrap-up episode of season two. Uh, Our guests are going to be Eric Anderson, Shaheen Alvandi, Heath Kofren, and a fourth guest who I'm going to surprise you with right in the show. She's never been on a podcast before. Oh, the drama. Can you feel it? You're cutting it with a knife. So let's fire up season two, wrap up show number two, right here at the Center Stand podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming up is a a guy I've actually roomed with, uh, and I'm really happy to have him back on so he could tell more horrible stories about uh, being my roommate on the Trans Am Trail. Mr. Eric Anderson from the Vroom Network is uh, is joining us for this quick segment. Eric, thanks for being here. Man, isn't that too much information, Pandia? I mean, to have roomed 25 days together, I mean, we could have slept in the dirt, but, you know, eating bad pizza after changing tires and sticky hands from changing oil filters uh, on those Dakar bikes for 22 days. That I think uh, I think that was a that was a pretty good test. We've made it through that on the other side, and we are still willing to ride together at the very least. So uh, yeah, uh, we didn't we didn't kill each other. So no, no, I think, yeah, we we made it through. I think it's a good acid test there. So what I want to talk about is is um, the new Harley Davidson Pan America with you, and that's specifically just that because uh, you've had a considerable history with Harley Davidson. Um, on the apparel side, uh, you've been around that brand a ton, um, and you, uh, you, you truly do understand Harley Davidson's traditional V twin product and that audience and your personal passion as is mine is, um, like off-road and adventure type riding. And, um, I understand that you got a chance to ride the Pan America recently. And I really want to talk about that because I think, that that product was um, extremely well received once it was actually live and journalists and influencers and whoever were, were seeing it and touching it and riding it and that sort of thing. Uh, and I want to get your impression on what the Pan America means to the brand, not just as a product, right? The product reviews are out there. We don't need to do that. But in terms of like steering the Harley Davidson brand um, in our post-COVID new motorcycle world is a pretty compelling conversation these days. Yeah, I was able to ride the machine. And, you know, I I have a lot of insights into the V-Twin community from a lot of different perspectives, OEM, as well as aftermarket, with my experience with the motorsport aftermarket group and MAG. Um, But after riding this thing, you know, I'm an avid adventure rider and, you know, grew up racing motocross on the Southern California circuit. So I'm a a dirt guy that also rides street rather than the reverse. Mm -hmm. Um, And you and I both know, too, that the term adventure means a lot of different things to different people. And adventure riding can be described, whether you're hardcore, you know, or softcore, it doesn't 
really matter. And sure, this thing is an amazing machine. I got a chance to ride it. The motor's incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, the load leveling uh, features on it are incredible. The adjustable ABS and traction control on it are all incredible. And the fact that it's <laughs> made in America is also incredible too. Mm-hmm. So so the experience I had was at the 10th anniversary of the giant loop rally in Eastern Oregon at Crane Hot Springs and Harley rolled in with their 18 wheeler and their totally tricked out Ford Ranger. They set up street course for us um, and then an off-road course in the dirt too for some knobby equipped Pan Americans that were there. And I, I had a blast. I gotta say that the demo squad that Harley has put together are incredible people, great mm-hmm. logistics, made it super easy for all these actual hardcore adventure riders who were tenting. There are 300 attendees. It's not as big as some of the others, but uh, in Eastern Oregon, in the middle of nowhere, we had a, a marvelous Harley Davidson experience there too. So 300 attendees, but 100% their target market, which is fundamentally different from the way Harley Davidson has marketed the yeah. traditional V twin stuff in the past, right? So, yeah, um, you know, Harley, I know from past experience, conversations with people in Sturgis and that sort of thing. They're they're a steamroller of a brand when it comes to that, and their general attitude um, on the traditional product has been, we we kind of don't need your help. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, we've mm-hmm. got it. We're the market leader. We're the segment leader. It's clear that uh, Yoke and Zeiss and um, the Harley-Davidson team has taken a very different tact with this product to drive a 18-wheeler into a 300-person event is completely – I mean, they would never do that for a Sportster. They would right. never do that for a Dyna or, or, or anything else, you know, in their traditional lineup. So if you can – and I'm I'm certain you had some conversations around the campfire, but if you can, would you project ahead where you think, if you were the brand manager for for um, the Pan America, where you think they should go with this? They were obviously got a good first step going here, but how do you keep this going without falling into the uh, sort of decision by consensus trap uh, of the past? Well, I, I see them totally getting out of their box. I mean, certainly this this demonstration that Harley put on, they were surrounded by hardcore BMW GS, Gas Gas, KTM, mm-hmm. Yamaha Tenere riders. There were Honda Africa Twins there. I mean, there were as every brand that makes some kind of an adventure or off-road machine was there. And boom, right in the middle of it is a Harley-Davidson 18-wheeler. So they were truly out of their box, truly out of their element. And you know what was amazing? Everybody loved it. Yeah. I mean, all of the the hardcore orange bleeders and, you know, red bleeders were signing up as fast as they could to ride this thing, to experiencing something new or different. And we all know that the word adventure means a million different things to a million different people. Okay, you know. Adventure to me might be camping in the dirt after riding on the rock. I I, I would hesi- I would not hesitate to say that the adventure riding is the most accepting ca- category in motorcycle. Give yeah. it a wide berth. And, yes, and, you know, exactly. 
So. Maybe this isn't going to be winning any Dakar rallies, but that's not the point. Right. This, this, and 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 I've had a couple of great experiences with Harley Davidson dealer owners mm -hmm. um, recently who are so excited to get off their street glide and try a gravel road. They've never had that experience before. And, you know, whether it's a two-track, they're not going to be single-tracking on a Pan American. That's not the point. And they may not be camping. They might be going hotel to hotel over pothole back roads that, you know, you find on Rever, the app, or on a Butler map or a Mad map. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're going to explore parts of America that a normal Harley-Davidson motorcycle was perhaps never built to explore. Well, I don't know how many Harley-Davidson commercials I've seen where there's, you know, the pack of riders riding through the open desert, you know, yeah. at sunset, right? And and that, I mean, that is, at this point, a stereotype. It um, is, and, but with but, a Pan American, for them you to can make a product, a yeah, that can take, then take that right and shoot off onto the gravel road and explore Correct. the parts of America that you and I have been lucky enough to see, yeah. um, and uh, and do that, and and certainly it's reflective of the American car culture where there's a where Jeep is selling every single one of those things that they can, and ninety percent of them never really go into four wheel drive and never really you know explore the way that we would, but they. But there's that presentation and that that capability is there. So one of the things I wanted to touch on with you is their partnership with Revit, which to me was the biggest surprise uh, of that introduction, because that is a legitimate, um, technically savvy, stylish, European minded brand um, and was I, I wouldn't have guessed in a thousand years that they would have partnered with Revit uh, for the launch of this bike. What, what do you think of that? Well, it, it's interesting. The machine itself is perhaps the most technical and digital savvy machine Harley Davidson's ever produced. Mm -hmm. And likewise, the riding gear that they put together. And, and I know this because I used to produce FXRG for Harley Davidson, yeah. which stood for special effects riding gear. Um, and, and it was, you know, based on a lot of the patents we had for the brand first gear when we owned it at Intersport Fashions West. But to have teamed with with Revit is commensurate with the investment that they put into the technology of the bike itself. And, you know, with all of the ventilation and breathability and and um, waterproof zippers and the technological fit that Revit brings to the market is is as tacky as the machine itself so i don't know that they could have without the experience of building for adventure riding um built it themselves from an in-house perspective to have teamed up with revit in, in in hindsight makes the most sense now that i see it but like you i never would have predicted it no and at that and you know, Harley Davidson's not a brand that wants to share logo space with any other brand, typically, right? And so, uh, uh, for them to to understand the legitimacy of the of the Revit partnership and what that means to an adventure rider is, uh, I think that's that's pretty cool. So, um, I want to close on an idea of what a Pan America rally event might look like. And I can imagine uh, an advertisement 
where there's the you know some sort of iconic image of the of the Pan America, the headlight or something like that, and then there's simply a date with a latitude and longitude, and it would be someplace epic, something amazing that as you come riding up the hill, all of a sudden there's you know two or three Harley trucks and tents and a big campout going on and a and a, a bar made out of hay bales and and you know and things like that. Do you see them continuing to be that bold? on the events side of things? Uh, I do. I think with, with the demonstrations that they're putting on now, they they did have internal legal issues, you know, getting off-road, getting onto dirt, getting, you know, folks to ride at slow speeds through the cones and, you know, really test the machine's ability. We also did acceleration, deceleration tests in the dirt wow. on a Pan yeah. American. I mean, we could dig a trench with it, but we could also stop it, literally the earth would just suck this thing down with its incredible ABS on the dirt. And of course mm -hmm. it stops in a straight line. So technologically this thing's amazing. And I think to get back to kind of what a rally might look like, I, I think it would be incredible diversity. They'd probably even invite other adventure riders to come over because there's dem there's going to be demos involved. But you know, I see a, a a customized adventure bike. Maybe Roland Sands tweaks one of them. Um, I see, I see all kinds of age groups interested now in Harley Davidson that are perhaps new to the brand. Ah, oh, I've always ridden KTM, but I got to try one of these. You know, this might be perfect for a new definition of adventure where I live. You know, they're paved roads, but they're potholed roads. Or I can get mm -hmm. occasionally off into the dirt. Or I'm going to get one with two sets of wheels, knobbies and street tires. Right. And one Harley will be able to do it all. I can cruise to Sturgis on it, but I could also do the Trans Am Trail with it. Well, I'm going to Sturgis this year, and I am uh, definitely going to be looking out for uh, doing like a mental head count of the number of, of those bikes I see out there. Some of my friends already uh, own one of these bikes. Um uh, I, like many, am not a huge fan of the way it looks, but from uh, I'm not a huge fan of the way some of the KTMs look these days, frankly. But uh, but that's just me and my salt and pepper, grumpy, you know, grumpy old man mode. Yeah, get uh, over it. Pandy. Yeah, I said, get over it. Once you once you're behind the handlebars, it doesn't matter. So performance counts. But uh, Eric, I want to thank you for expanding on. Uh, the Pan America, I think it's uh, uh, a surprising bike, and I really, really hope to see Harley-Davidson um, adapt some of that uh, breadth of acceptance, of other brand acceptance, into some of the other work that they're doing, uh, because I think that's uh, they are the tide, and uh, if the rising tide raises all ships, uh, they they can have the single biggest influence uh, on the motorcycle market. So, Eric, once again, thanks for that time. I hope to see you down a dusty road soon, my friend. Sure, you've got to go ride one of these, and the same for your listeners. Everybody, take a chance to go to one of the demos and test out all that variable seat height on it and you know that all the traction control and abs in the dirt it's amazing and that Enjoy includes it. all that includes all you oem guys who think you've got it figured out just from the brochure <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's tremendous bike hey thanks a lot eric we'll catch you later Bet. thank you
All right. So here's a, a cat joining us. And, um, you know, if there if there are. Uh, uh, oh, should I say can I say hipster God? Can I say that? No, no way. No, I can't say. Oh, I just hipster ruined God. it all. Oh my God, no. Horrible. No, no. Oh. Don't say that. Heath Coffrin from <laughs> Alpine Stars. Heath, uh, uh, thanks for joining us. I just wanted to just like I wanted to rock your boat right off the bat. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, what I wanted to talk about Heath was uh, about, excuse me, uh, with Heath is that um, there's a, there's a changing, literally a changing face of motorcycling. There are uh, retro motorcycles out there that are bringing in young riders. Mm -hmm. Ironically, there's a there's a lot of really neat motors. I think about the Royal Enfields out there, the Ducati Scramblers, the uh, the Triumph Bonnevilles in yeah. particular is all sort of leaders in this. Um, and I can I can kind of surmise them a little bit in that sort of distinguished gentleman's ride mm -hmm. uh, world of motorcycling. And that's something that you have seen participated in and and support. Talk to us a little bit about about that kind of customer and, and and how that's changing motorcycling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll look at it from my perspective, honestly, because um, my first motorcycle that I still own uh, is a 2004 Bonneville, uh, Triumph Bonneville, 125,000 miles on it, something like that. Uh, I've done track days on it. I've done hooligan flat track on it. I've done a, a light motocross race on it. I've ridden through 17 states on it. I've ridden to Canada, Mexico. Um, it was a bike that I felt was me. Like mm -hmm. I was a big fan of Evil Knievel back in the day. And when I realized that Evil Knievel jumped, you know, Caesars on a Triumph, I was like, oh my God, I gotta own one of those. But at the time, you know, Triumph didn't make the Bonneville yet, you know? So the Bonneville, when it came out, I think it was 2001 or 2002, something around there. Mm -hmm. I spot, saw it first come out. I'm like, oh, my God, like, that's my bike. Like, that's the bike I want to own because I wanted something a little different. Like, that was that was just me. And so when Triumph came out with that bike, you know, I was kind of waiting, kind of see how it did. And when 2004, when I felt it was the right time for me, like, that was the bike I purchased because it was intriguing. I like that classic look. I um, still do. But with the modern reliability, you know, of what a bike like that could offer. And that's even transcended into other bikes that I purchased. And even, you know, you mentioned a little bit about racing. Like, it intrigued me to race something that was a little bit different. And that's mm -hmm. was that's kind of been my path. Like, ever since I first started racing, and even when I first started racing the Bonneville with Flat Track, and uh, when it was really, truly hooligan, where we would ride our bikes to the track, tape up the lights, and we would Flat Track, and then we would ride home. Right real hooligan not the pro hooligan stuff that's happening right now so so let's talk about that um there is a um th that that movement that style of like sort of the uh, you know what it is i think it's the approachability of retro bikes i think there's something that is just sort of elemental and clean about those motorcycles well, that continue to attract uh, younger riders in, right? And um, so, can you could you talk a little bit about uh, about like sort of social movement that's also a driver for a young generation and how that's overlapping into motorcycling? 
Yeah, and I think even even now it's even more now than ever. Like so many people are grasping onto that classic vibe or classic style of dressing. When you talked about the you know the distinguished gentleman's ride, I mean, look how many thousands and thousands of people like really are into that because they like dressing mm -hmm. up and looking classy and like the motorcycling. And I think there's just an, an attractiveness to that classic vibe for some reason, regardless of what bike you own or multiple bikes that you own, there's just something about that classic look that's that's attractive and appealing to a broad sense. Not everybody is a sport bike rider, not everybody's an adventure rider, not everybody's a, a Harley rider, but something about that classic look is attractive, I feel, to everybody. And I think the social cause is a big part of it. If I now I'm I'm using my rusty brain cells here, but I believe DGR just cleared over thirty million dollars in total worldwide wow. donations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unbelievable. Just un you know, here's a small idea that started in Australia that just turned into a, a, a global level movement, and it's in, really incumbent on our industry to understand that as much as we possibly can, because it's going to happen again in an, in another uh, iteration, Riders for Change, for instance, and, and, uh, and some of these other opportunities that come up. Uh, and that, that classic styles tends to fit that somehow and is bringing in these, these younger riders. So um, now as an Alpine Stars, manager, uh, certainly some of the apparel has changed to suit that audience, correct? Yeah, but he, for us, you know, we we have this line called the the Oscar, the Oscar line for Alpine Stars that really focuses and harnesses is on, in on this customer where we take all of the protection and elements that we've learned from the racing side and uh, and applied that to a very classic look where all of the high-end tech protection is on the inside of the jacket, where on the outside you know, it looks like your grandfather gave it to you. Mm -hmm. Yet there was ever an incident where, you know, a rider might crash, like all that protection is there. And even with airbag technology being available and this classic look, you know, I mean, that's that's the high end for everybody. You get that classic vibe, but you have the, the highest end of airbag rider protection that's hidden underneath the jacket that looks like it's from the 60s. Well, I want to wrap up this conversation with who I think uh, could be nominated for the Mount Rushmore of cool, <laughs> uh, because uh, you, you've done some amazing stuff in in your career, uh, and you have traveled the world in the in the work that you get to do. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I like to do on Center Stand is to uh, kind of seed in a little information for maybe somebody who's trying to get into this industry or trying to move up in this industry. So given that um, a lot of the conversations we've had have talked about like the efficiency of a dealer staff and for employees to bring in multiple skill sets into a job. Mm -hmm. um, as you look out towards the future of motorcycling, what is, what's that piece of advice you would give to somebody who is looking to kind of step up and, and get into these, what seem like untouchable jobs, but you know, I mean, I, I've gotten to do some amazing things in my career that 30 years ago, I couldn't have begun to imagine that I was capable of doing that stuff. So so what is your piece of advice to that that young uh, woman or man coming up in power sports? I would say if you have a passion, 
for power sports, motorcycling, you know, whatever it is. Go all in with whatever that passion is. You know, for me, it was something that I, I fell into the role that I'm doing because of my love for motorcycling. I was a rider for Harley-Davidson commercials. And that transcended into connections. And number one thing that I would say, you know, the big question is relationships. You know how that is. Yep. You build great relationships and surround yourself with great people. Great things tend to happen when you have a positive attitude. You bring value and you're incredibly driven to to want to help people bring value to whoever it is that you want to work with that you're really passionate about. That's fantastic advice. Heath, thanks for joining us. I want to wrap that up by, uh, I'll, I'll put my spin on it. I'll say that the motorcycle industry is a wading pool. It's not a swimming pool. There is no deep end. You can go pee in and get away with it. It's a very small industry. So never yeah. pee in the wading pool. Be cool to everybody. And trust me, this industry will be cool to you. Yep. Heath, thanks for joining us, man. Really do appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Robert. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have fun on a motorcycle, uh, one of the brands you might pick uh, is Ducati. Fantastic motorcycles uh, and a huge evolution in their in their uh, in their history, uh, and they've really become uh, a motorcycle that's not just you know just pretty bespoke and just leave it in the corner and maybe pull it out to go ride to you know Ducati Island. Uh, during World Superbike, rest in peace. However, <laughs> a man who has had fun with Ducati motorcycles for a long time, and I've watched him bring fun into his daily practice at work, Shaheen Alvandi, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> <laughs> and the crowd roars. Uh, yes, the, the the crowd roars. My my dog's just like <laughs> staring at me like I'm an idiot. So, all right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Shaheen, buddy, uh, I want to uh, first off uh, congratulate you. You're running uh, Moto Corsa, number one Ducati dealer in the nation. Is that still the the big plaque on the wall? That that is still the big plaque six times now on the wall. So we got six of those shiny little plaques. I, I try to polish them as often as possible. Six of them. So uh, you've been put on notice. Is uh, these guys know what they're doing when it comes to stodgy sales numbers and making it all happen and moving units and dated inventory and all that like sort of bleh stuff right yeah the, the uh, boring the boring bits yeah the boring bits but you're having fun with it so and i think that that's something that um uh your predecessor arun he really brought into uh that store uh that sort of attitude and i think that that's something that um that you've really taken to heart and obviously you've got your own style about it would would you speak a little bit to the extra work it takes to have fun you know that's actually a perfect way of putting it i think it is it is extra work but if you look at it as just simply extra work then it doesn't really become fun um it, it, we do you know just like every dealership we're open well, for us, we're open five days a week. Some of them are open seven days a week. But when we're here, we're working our tails off. And mm -hmm. so you have to put in the extra effort, extra attention to have fun. And I think the best way of having fun, it sort of starts from within the dealership, right? I, I, I don't, I'm not one of those crack the whip kind of guys. We, we have a really great uh, team with us. We have a really good understanding when we meet every day and every week and talk about what needs to happen. So we kind of get the 
you know, that curmudgeon boring bit out of the way as quickly as we can so we can have fun. Because if you come in as a customer and we have to sell you the idea that we're having fun, we're not really doing it right. Um, and so, you know, that's the basics of it. And then when we actually do other things, I think you and I have kind of talked about this before. There's a lot of uh, emphasis put on engagement. And so right. our fun is really about, first of all, our personalities, but then how do we, you know, push that outside of the showroom? How do we engage with other people? How do we, I hate to use the word influence other people to do the same thing. And that's really what it's all about. So we try to do a lot of things where um, we show that we're, we're just, we're not taking ourselves that seriously. At the end of the day, it is a motorcycle dealership, whether you're selling a Honda, a Suzuki or a Ducati, you're, you're ultimately selling the same idea, which is go out and have fun. Uh, especially in the U S these things are more often than not a, you know, sort of an accessory that a lot of people buy and they want to figure out how to connect with other people and what to do with it. Um, and so that's where we come in and say, Hey, come ride with us, come hang out with us, come, come barbecue with us, come, you know, do a track day with us. Uh, this last weekend, actually, I did a first thing we've never done before an adventure one-on-one class where I was inviting. Oh, that's awesome. Adventure bike. Yeah. Dude, it was so much fun. It was, it was rainy, crummy Pacific Northwest day. And we had the best time ever playing in the mud. Um, oh, you know, there's I mean, was, misery, misery loves company, right? I mean, if you if right? you come back from a weekend and everything's perfect and nothing happens, you actually don't really have any stories and it's kind of a drag, right? So, right. So did, did you even adventure? I mean, like, you know, where do you have a story to tell from uh, if you haven't had some mud and you haven't gone down? But the beauty of it was we, we got to have people there and they got to see us, you know, out of our element, which is outside of the showroom and kind of have fun with them. And it was so uplifting to watch you know beginners help each other out and there was right. just this camaraderie between the men and women on the motorcycles and uh you know kind of watch them start out nervously in this really rainy terrible day and by the end of it everybody was laughing and high-fiving each other and just doing the things that they didn't think they were going to be able to do by the by the you know at the beginning of the day and so you know the next step is hey let's go ride more let's go do some bdrs together let's go to mexico together let's figure something out man um, and so that's the message. It's, it's constant. It, it never ends. I mean, you've probably seen a bunch of my videos that I make for Moto Corsa and I'm just being a silly idiot, you know, doing my Borat accent and, uh, you know, running around and just sort of not making fun of what we do, but keeping it lighthearted and, you know, making it fun. It's, it's, I I'll, think des I'll describe, says, I'll describe one of my favorite ones briefly. It's only, it's <laughs> okay, only a it. second video. So it's a quick description, but, uh, Shaheen is there with a, um, a beanie pulled over his eyes and there's two motorcycles parked there. There is a Ducati, uh, and a, a Yamaha R1. And he's, uh, purporting to be the expert that just from sound alone, he can tell which motorcycle, uh, is, is more fun or sounds the best. And all he does is starts the Ducati, revs it up, and then just walks away and says, this is the best, right? So, so <laughs> Ducati guys, they get it. It's a good laugh. Yamaha guys are like, take a little bit of umbrage, but they're like, yeah, that is a pretty good thing. You know what I mean? They've, and it just starts right. the conversation. And it's that poking that is supposed to be. Um, that, I mean, that's really part of the brotherhood and sisterhood of riding is that it, uh, the fact right. that we all accept some level of risk versus reward in this industry right. uh, and when you are uh, among the uh, rare breed that uh, that understands that type of conversation then it frees you up to to enjoy the rest of your life so one of the things i want to address is that you and i both know some people in the industry who don't 
seem to be having fun. I'm not going to call out names. So if right. your ears are burning right now, yeah, we're talking about you, bro, but I'm not going to say your name. Right? <laughs> um, but my point is, it's like, there, man, there are some people that just need to find that fun again. Uh, and my yeah. simple piece of advice to them is to do exactly what Shaheen just described, is to get out not with you know, the guys who own, you know, 20 motorcycles and, and they own 30 helmets and they're ready to go do whatever, but to get around those newbies and rediscover that energy. How empowering was that for you and your staff who were there? Absolutely incredibly empowering. I mean, it, it, and it's great for the staff because they get to see that, right? It's so easy to be jaded when you come in every day and do the same thing. Uh, and when you get to see the beginner, and I mean, I'm so glad you said what you said. If, if you keep hanging out with the same people, you're going to have sort of a humdrum lull. Whereas if you start sort of inviting new people and, and doing new things with them and you get to watch that, that transformation and that sort of joy and they fall in love with their motorcycle all over again, that's where it's at. That's why we do our track days. That's why we do the, you know, group C classroom sessions and we get to watch these beginners. And I mean, we hug each other at the end of the day. It's so much fun. We, we bonded at this other level. And, and my staff, they get to experience it all the time. And it's a, it's a reminder. It's a constant reminder that this is why we do it. We get to connect with people. We get to, uh, you know, watch somebody, um, you know, fall in love with something that we've already always been in love with. And we may have sort of forgotten why we were in love with it because we're working it every day. Some of these people that you talk about don't, don't have fun. I think it's it might be difficult to get out of the mindset of this is a business i have to run a business it's all about the numbers i have to make sure i can pay the bills every month and those are very important things but if you put that out there everyone's going to see that and it becomes less about the value that you give as a full dealership our job is not just to sell motorcycles it's a it's a full lifestyle it's a it's we're we're, we're entertainers for lack of better words so um, I know and, I know there are some some uh, very hard nosed business minded uh, motorcycle dealers out there, and they make they make money, they do well uh, by that right. and uh, and that kind of thing. Some of our prior guests in our little uh, wrap up episodes here uh, have talked about how dealerships are getting a lot more efficient in their staff, right? So um, mm -hmm. so fewer people do maybe doing more things. Uh, not necessarily oh, yeah. putting in more hours and and just getting beaten down, um, but uh, it's it's more and more important for any given employee to have multiple skill sets, right? Uh, and Correct. so so if you got a, if you got a guy who's great in the shop, but he also knows how to knock out a quick social media uh, video, what a bonus that is for the service department, right? Right. right. Uh, and so would you that. I think the antithesis of fun is when people are scared and uh, and they get uptight about having fun because they think a hammer is going to come down on them. Part of having fun is making a mistake and recovering from it and and that kind of th something that every motorcyclist knows. So speak to you as a manager when you've had to deal with some employees maybe who thought they were having fun, maybe went a little bit too far, and you got to bring them back. To, to continuing to have fun, but to, to represent your brand. Is that, is that part of a challenge with these efficient staffs we're dealing with? You know, not so much anymore, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, we've, we've had people that maybe push it a little bit too far and they forget that they are, you know, especially someone maybe that's doing social media and mm -hmm. outreach. Uh, they forget that it, 
it can be easy to forget that it's not just your voice being heard. You are now the voice of an entire shop. Um, and so what I always have to remind people is don't be negative. Don't put a negative connotation on anything. We don't want to talk about crashing at the track. We don't want to talk about, you know, getting hit by a car in the streets. These are realities that we already know are a thing. Uh, but let's let's maybe emphasize more the highlights of it. You know, the people we meet, the places we go, the things we get to do. Um, life is life. Things happen. Uh, I can fall down the stairs tomorrow and break my ankle just as well as I can get sideswiped by a car on the highway like I almost did today. Well, I've, um, I've, I've, but, I've seen you walk. So the whole the stair thing. <laughs> is, right? is, I, am not a, I am not a graceful human being. I'm a 240 pound idiot. I, I, I'm um, surprised the ballet thing didn't work out as you originally planned. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I I still think I could have had such a good role. Every ballet needs a clown, I think. Well, you've got a good, you've got a good aerodynamic face. So you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure your 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 pirouettes would have been just absolutely beautiful. But uh, you know, the, the point of of bringing some of these employees back is you bring them back with some guidance and say, hey, man, you went a little bit too far, but now you know where the right. edge is, and uh. uh you can still have, you know, it's not necessarily to admonish somebody, but it's like to give that guidance, right? To just kind of right. keep going so they don't feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. All of a sudden, they're petrified. I try to make every instance a learning occasion, whether it's good or bad. So I try not to park too much on, let's say, um, you know, a mistake. So instead of it being a mistake, it's a learning experience. And, you know, if unless that somebody got just, unless it was devastating and there was no going back from it, typically... If something happens and it didn't go well, we look at it and go, how can we do better? How can we represent better? How can we have a better message? And that's a daily, weekly, monthly conversation that you have to have. If you let it go by the wayside, it gets forgotten, just like anything else, right? You can't just say, we have a sale one time and expect for people to always come by to the sale. You have to keep reminding people, hey, we're here having sales. Um, and so you can't just say, we have fun as a motorcyclist shop, and then be done with it and hope everybody will always show up to it. Our message is continuous and it's constant and that should be think, the same with your internal fund exactly i think motorcyclists can smell bs a mile away and oh, uh God, yeah. and you know when i pick up that scent i know shaheen's around the corner i know that it's fun <laughs> it's, it's the smell <laughs> of right. fun uh, That's right. Thank you, Shaheen, very much for a few minutes on our, our wrap-up episode here. Man, I sure do appreciate your time. I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you at one of the IMS Outdoors shows. We're kicking off in uh, Northern California there, so... Uh, Maybe that's maybe a road trip is all I'm saying. Maybe just bring some of the people I mean, down. I'm, okay. I'm into it. I might just hop on a multi-strata and ride down there. See, I'm digging it. That sounds like fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank awesome. very much. Shaheen Alvandi from Moto Corsa. You got to follow him on Facebook. Follow the Moto Corsa accounts. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're not creative, just copy him. Just, just, just. <laughs> Although you're going to have trouble with the beard, but just but continue, continue, go for it. Do the best you can. Do the there best you, you can. That's all we ever ask. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you down the road. Thanks so much. Cheers. All right. Okay. Okay. I teased you guys with a surprise guest. It's a little incestuous. I know it. We love motorcycle people. And what you guys do not understand within the motorcycle industry is that there's uh, not a ton of people in the motorcycle industry. Now, maybe some of you guys realize that, but I think some of our listeners don't realize how small the in motorcycle industry is. And the fact is that there are very few people who have their thumb on the PR side of all things 
motorcycling. And one of those people is our very producer, Audrey Uchimoto. Audrey, thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right. With that whole big pump up, this is Audrey's first ever podcast. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. It's, it's so great to be on the show. Yeah, we had we had to, you know, it was a little bit of torture to get her to say yes to do this, guys. So, uh, but I think it's important because uh, um, Center Stand is a little bit about behind the scenes of the industry. We wanted to get a little bit behind the scenes of Center Stand itself, and uh, and Audrey's job uh, not only is to edit out my stupidity along with Sam Bendall, uh, but is to set us up with great interviews and come up with the themes for the shows and, and that sort of thing. So, so Audrey is, um, you know, uh, when you look at a building, you see a lot of bricks and people like Audrey are the mortar that's holding it all together, right? Um, so if you want to call me a brick, I totally understand that, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Audrey, um, thanks for that work. Uh, and I'd like to know from you, talk to us a little bit about the role of, of producing the podcast within the motorcycle industry and, uh, kind of your impressions of, of, um, sort of center stands impact. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for that intro. I feel like that was Super nice of you to say, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you feel that PR has such an impact. Uh, I will say as the producer of Center Stand, I have personally had so much fun these past two seasons. So as many listeners probably know, we're the only podcast that focuses on the industry side of the power sports industry. And so I've had so much fun trying to figure out what what parts of the industry we want to touch on. And there's just so many different career paths within the power sports industry, which I feel like people outside might not know it, but so many different types of people are working to grow our industry and really care about its future. And that really comes through, I feel, in every single episode, no matter who our guest is, you can tell that not only do they really love riding motorcycles themselves, but they care about keeping the industry growing, and it's strong. And so, I mean, personally, that's what I've loved about producing this. And I feel like that is why Center Stand is also important to just hear that and hear different perspectives, whether you're working in a dealership or you own your own shop or you you train people, um, just that cohesiveness. You know, I think it's amazing that, you know, as big as um, I use this analogy a lot, as big as the uh, motorcycle industry feels sometimes, it's really just a waiting pool. It's a waiting pool. It's small. There's not like a deep end where you can go swim and take a secret pee, you know, and get away with it and come back. It's a waiting pool. So you got to be cool all the time. Um because everybody kind of knows everybody. If they don't know everybody, they have respect for the fact that you're in the motorcycle industry. So looking back um, on, on um, season two primarily, but looking back, Audrey, uh, can you pick out a favorite? I know that's not that's not a fair question, but can you pick out a favorite or a couple of highlights from the season? 
Definitely. Well, before I name any names, I, I do have to say that as the producer, I'm the one who's going out and, and talking to the guests and convincing them to come on to our show. And I have to say that everyone has been so great to work with and everyone has just been so nice. So I'm really appreciative of how, how down everyone is to work with us and just how. And, that, and that's that's even after they know they're going to be talking with me. They're like, I mean, so, so Audrey's working out of a hole here. You know, she's got to pitch. Hey, you want to be on this podcast? And oh, yeah, by the way, it's Pandia you got to talk to. So, right. I mean, it's it's not the easiest. <laughs> you know, we made it too <laughs> um, but I'll say that my favorite guest is, has been Wendy Crockett. Um, oh, she, rock star. Yes. From season two, episode six. So she has won the Iron Butt Rally. And that's, Robert, can you remind me how many miles that is on a motorcycle? That's a thousand miles in a day. She's Well, she's done that. And then the Iron Butt is like 11,000 miles in 11 days, I think it is. And she's on, she's like on one maybe right now, or she just finished one. But God, what a, what an amazing woman. It's what a so great pick. Yeah. And she she's also owned her own um, her yeah. own motorcycle store. So what I loved about her is, first of all, she was just so cool to talk to or, or to listen to. And one part of her story is about how she just packed up her house and moved to Mexico with her daughter. And, and she's just the type of person who will get up and go. And I feel like that is just so cool to be that free. And that's actually a story that I've heard multiple people in the power sports industry say that they just get on their bike and go. And I just think that that's such a beautiful thing and it's not easy to do. And it's something that I feel a lot of people dream about. And yeah, that, that's, that just really struck me. So I, I loved that, that episode personally and just, and just getting to meet Wendy. Wendy is awesome. We've had a lot of great women on, um, on center stand and uh, we talked about it in the past um we've said it in different venues but the number one way to increase the motorcycle business is to be more inclusive of female ridership so that has been i know an underlying theme um in audrey in your in your direction for what we want to do with center stand uh and and booking those guests and and convincing them to come on and talk to this particular goober, but, uh, it's been, uh, uh, it's been really great. So picking out Wendy, I totally get that. And I agree with you. We've had some really fantastic guests, um, in both seasons, frankly, I mean, it's been, uh, really great. So thank you again for your work there. Now, looking forward, I know that the entire IMS team is, um, focused on the actual shows and, uh, and you guys have been buried in that work. Um, that's coming up. Uh, I know I'm starting to get uh, a million emails and phone calls and meetings and and all of that stuff is really happening. This is a reality, man. We're getting back to real motorcycle shows. How stoked are you about that? Oh my gosh, I am so excited. I mean, it, it's crazy that it's been, I, I guess, like a year and a half since we've all been in person and our whole team, yeah. we've been working from home and only seeing each other over, over Teams video. I am so excited, not only to get back in person, 
but also for our new format of being outside. I think it is going to be so cool. It is going to be so interactive. Robert, you know, you are kind of the head of uh, Discover the Ride, and that's getting expanded this year. There's going to be more opportunity for people to get on, get, get on a motorcycle and ride around. I just think it's going to be so much fun. And I, we've said it before, I feel like some people might think that we just decided to go outside because of the pandemic. This has actually been five years in the making. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think a lot of folks don't realize that this, this conversation has been happening behind the scenes for a long time. We wanted to add outdoor shows to the traditional IMS season and sort of facilitate the change and there's nothing like a global pandemic to uh you know put your foot both on the brakes and the accelerator at the same time so uh so for those of you um who have paid attention to this point you certainly know that we're outdoors um i hope to see you guys out there audrey thank you so much for uh, all of your work on season one and season two uh, i wish you the best always and uh, we will catch you later thanks again Thank you, Robert. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I promise we're done. Season two is done. Put a nail in it. Bang, bang, bang. Thank you very much, Eric Anderson, Shaheen Alvandi, Heath Cuffrin, and of course, Audrey Yuchimoto, rocking it in her first podcast. Uh, it sounds like it's my first podcast, but, you know, it's not. We're having fun out here with the Center Stand podcast. We love connecting with the motorcycle industry. I hope we're going to be getting to do a little bit more of that in the future. But right now, what is our focus? You ask. Our focus is IMS Outdoors. That's right. Finally, motorcycle events are coming back, and they're coming back big. An all-outdoor motorcycle show season. I expect to see you in the motorcycle industry out there. I'm going to be helping run the Discover the Ride program, so I will be at every one of the shows. Please come by and say hello. Once again, thanks to our hosts at continuetheride.com, the international motorcycle shows. Thanks to our producers and all of our fantastic guests from both season one and season two. Uh, you can listen to all those episodes for free at continuetheride.com. Thanks very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Robert Pandia signing off for now, and we will see you down the road. <laughs>